0: Well, good morning and welcome to worship here at Trinity. So good to have you in worship today. We're starting a short three-week series today and it's based on the very last parables that Jesus taught before the ordeal of the cross. What are some of the final things he wanted us to know? We begin this week with the parable of the lampstands. Bottom line, always be ready. Well, good morning, church. It's great to see you here and to have you along online. Um, It is a great day, and uh, I'm glad to be with us. Will you pray with me, God? We pray for the moving of your spirit among us as we dare to approach your word today. God, I pray by the inspiration of your spirit that the words that I share will be your word for us and your word only. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen, amen. So did you all know that the Christian church calendar and the calendar that we live our lives by are not synced with each other? We only have in the Christian year three weeks left and then a new Christian year begins. And how do we begin a new year? We begin it with Advent. Now, other than being able to have that answer at a Trivial Pursuit night, why is that information important today? I want to give you two reasons. One is it helps us understand how we frame a cycle of a year in the Christian faith, We start uh, again on the first Sunday of Advent with the announcement about Jesus' birth, which is Advent, and then it takes us from there. So that's our starting block every year. But secondly, it is a reminder of all of the stuff you got to get done before the end of the year you know what that's like when it comes to the calendar year, right? Do any of you like me kind of put some stuff off and then kind of scramble at the end of the year to get things done before the stroke of midnight on December the 31st? I mean, what are some of those things? For example, maybe you've hit your medical deductible this year and you know that you need to get that one last thing done or get those prescriptions filled before the 31st. Or um, maybe it's time to make sure that our charitable gifts and our pledges that we have made to an organization in that year get accomplished before the stroke of midnight on the 31st. Then, of course, there's always that tax situation, right? Making sure you've got all your receipts and your I's are dotted and your T's are crossed. And, and, and the end of a year is intended to foster a sense of urgency. I mean, time's running out. It's urgent. We got to get this stuff done. All of that stuff I've been putting off till later, later is here, right? That's where we are, theologically speaking, um, this week. We have three weeks to go. And that's partly the reason that Pastor Kim and I decided as we looked at these three weeks before Advent begins, what are we going to do? What, what is the, what is our preaching, our worship going to be about? And then we looked at the, at the lectionary. That's a fancy thing with a chart of scriptures that are suggested for any Sunday. And we looked at the gospel test and we go, that's it. That's where we're going to be because these three texts are about getting stuff ready. And and a specific kind of readiness, getting ready for the second coming of Christ. So the lectionary cycle we're in is primarily gives us gospel readings from Matthew. And what we have in the gospel of Matthew today are the last three parables. Actually, today, the next two weeks are the last three parables that Jesus taught. And they are doozies. Talk about fostering a sense of urgency. These are what we call apocalyptic texts. They focus on the end, or as we might say, the end times, or the end of things. And, and these kind of texts, we would rather not deal with because they have very unsettling and sometimes scary words about Jesus' ultimate return and whether we are ready for that or not. And anytime we have apocalyptic texts about the end or the second coming of Christ, or the rapture, whatever language you want to use, I mean, we would confess that they often weird us out a little bit, right? Why? Well, because we've heard some pretty far-out things about this thing out there. And I often get the question, Pastor Wade, are we at the end time? And there are people who want predict, to predict when that happened. They spend a lot of time doing that. There are a lot of folks who actually, frankly, make a lot of money doing that, peddling some kind of pamphlet or their newest book. If you're as old as I am, you remember the book in 1988, 88 Reasons Why the End Will Come in 1988. Do any of you remember that book? There was a sequel the next year. 89 reasons, yeah, and they sold a lot of books. I don't appreciate the hysteria because it frightens people, but hysteria and fear is motivating. I think it's important. I think it really is important stuff to consider. Don't get me wrong. I'm not downplaying it. It's just I think that kind of approach misses the fundamental teaching of what Jesus said about that time. And part of that is the text we have in these three weeks. And, and what Jesus teaches is clear. Let's just clearly get it. We won't, we can't, we don't know when that will happen. Jesus is clear about that. And that leads to the second thing, which is probably most important, is just be prepared. If we're prepared, we don't have to worry. When I myself am am asked if we are in the end times, Pastor Wade, are we in the end time? My response is usually something like this. Well, we don't know. We can't know that. Jesus is clear, though, that our job is to always be prepared because it can sneak in when we don't know. And what I do know is that we live somewhere between the first advent, which we're about ready to jump into again, and the second advent of Jesus, we live there, so rather than saying we're at the beginning time or the end time, I like to say we live in the, are you ready, in between time. We are living, and in between's a big deal. We could be anywhere on that spectrum, right, between really being close to the end or having a way to go. So I'd rather say that we live in the in-between time because if we, if we frame it as living in the in-between time, then we are more productive in our faith life because it impresses on us that we always have to be prepared. And the really big part is this. If you live in-between, we got some jobs to do in the in-between times. I think some of the folks that are so obsessed with the end time forget about. What it means to serve and to live a life of faith because they're just looking for that thing to happen. So, is that clear as mud? That's what I want to explore a little bit today. So, first, I'm going to turn to Matthew uh, chapter 25. And uh, here's the parable. This is the first of three parables that Jesus teaches right right before the ordeal of the cross. He said, Then the kingdom of heaven will be like this 10 bridesmaids took their lamps, and went to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish, and five of them were wise. When the foolish took their lamps, they took no oil with them, but the wise took flasks of oil with their lamps. And as the bridegroom was delayed, they're waiting, okay? As the bridegroom was delayed, all of them became drowsy and slept. But at midnight... There was a shout. Look, here's the bridegroom. Come out to meet him. Then all those bridesmaids got up and trimmed their lamps. The foolish said to the wise, give us some of your oil, for our lamps are going out. But the wise replied, no, there is not enough for you and for us. You had better go to the dealers and buy some for yourselves. And while they went to buy it, the bridegroom came. And those who were not ready, uh, those who were ready, went with him to the wedding banquet, and the door was shut. Later, the other bridesmaids came also, saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he replied, Truly I tell you, I do not know you. Keep awake, therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. So you have heard, um, if you've been around here a while, heard him say it um, several times. I've heard him say it lots of times in the 35 years since I have known him. Our pastor emeritus, Pastor Philip Brooks, is time to pray. They always look at the preacher, right? You always got to be ready to pray or to preach. But it was the die part that always was easy. And I have thought about that so much this week as I was preparing for today. That's what these parables of Jesus are saying. Be prepared at really no notice. Prepared for what? The arrival of the bridegroom. The bridegroom? Oh, yeah, that's Jesus when he returns. So be prepared. I mean, that makes sense. The text is clearly about that, which is good advice, but in this text, there's something else. There's a bit more that we don't see. We often overlook it, and that is the reality that they were sitting around waiting for the bridegroom to arrive. Maybe because this text causes us to become a little unnerved. We, we miss that, because we always don't want to be caught off guard and we fixate on that. We don't want to be the ones who are banging on the door at the end time, and the door is locked, and we're too late. We didn't get something accomplished. We didn't pay attention, and it's too late. I mean, who wants to be too late when it comes to being ready for that day? Be ready. Plan ahead. Bring enough oil. Be prepared. The Boy Scouts in our congregation know those two words really well. It's their motto, be prepared. And that's good advice. But there's this other part to this text, and that is the reality that they are waiting for that moment. So it's almost like, be prepared to wait. And as good as that advice is, there's more to it than that. It's not just always be prepared. But be prepared while waiting. And not just be prepared while waiting, but be prepared to wait for the Lord. So how are you waiting? We're waiting. We're in between people. I love how one pastor puts it, and I just quoted her directly because it was perfect. She said, it can be hard to wait. Your call is important to us. Please continue to hold and enjoy this music. Take a number and have a seat until you are called. If you haven't received your test results in two weeks, then contact our office. The next available appointment, let me see, is in six months, right? Now, then she writes, and she, she goes on to write this. She goes, did those things just make your blood pressure go up? Yes. People who study these things in North America um, say that opposed to other places in the world, we tend to see time as our own individual personal possession. And if time is passing, if we're not producing, then we are wasting time. Later on, she writes this, We are afraid of pauses. Unexpected interruptions to our plans and boredom. People can tell us that some things just take time, that there are things you can't rush, that a caterpillar needs time in its cocoon to become a butterfly, and we nod. Sure, that's nice. But we are more complicated than caterpillars, thank God, (laughs) and they don't have better things to do or a choice in the matter. I think she captures what waiting feels like. We're not good at it. In fact, when we have to wait, we often, catch this now, when we have to wait, we often lose our motivation for the thing that we're having to wait about. Some people, not this preacher, but some people might say, sometimes we get lazy about that thing because, well, we can put it off till later. The parable Jesus tells us is about a wedding feast, and there is waiting in it. Now, let me set a little bit of context. In Jesus' day, a wedding ceremony would usually be held at the bride's home, and then the big party, the wedding feast, would be at the groom's family home, and it always, almost always started at night, And it would go on for a week. Now, that's a wedding reception, right? not just one night, but there was a lot of preparation. And when the feast was set to begin, here's what would happen. The groom, the bridegroom, would come and get his bride. And together, they would walk to the banquet with, guess who? The bridesmaids. And they had one job, accompany the bride and the groom to the banquet, holding lamps, it was at night, to light the way to the feast. That's it, one job, provide the light. I mean, there's no street lights, no headlights, it's the light, lamps of the bridesmaids who had one job, bring the light, help them get safely to the party. Now, the people Jesus was talking to, they, they got that, that was their culture, and Jesus wanted them to know that. So enter the problem, Right? The groom arrives, and only half of the bridesmaids are ready. Oh, dang, there comes James, the groom. Do you have any oil for your lamp? No, I don't either. I think we better get on over to 7-Eleven and grab some. I mean, let's get cracking. Off to 7-Eleven or whatever their version is, they go. Those five get their oil. They run back to the party, but they arrive too late. And it wasn't just about not being prepared for the right time, but by the time they got their oil, by the time they got to the party, they had how many jobs? One job. And they were late. They didn't wait well. I bet they were using their lamps while they were waiting. And they had no oil. They didn't do the job of waiting. The party was started. The door was locked. And those five bridesmaids are experiencing what we would say, too little, too late. So Jesus' audience would get the point, because in biblical language, the bridegroom is a symbol for the coming of Christ, and the bridegroom's arrival is symbolic of the second coming in this case, when he will bring the faithful to a feast, we call it the heavenly banquet, a great feast, a party that will not just last one week, but into eternity, and man, we don't want to arrive and find the door locked. That's why this text is scary. (laughs) Now it's been like 2,000 years. And guess who's still waiting? Whether it's the ultimate of a second coming, or maybe one's nearing their own death, or maybe waiting for the Lord to come at a time of need, maybe looking for an answer to prayer, we wait. And so the question for us to consider is, how are you waiting? How are you waiting? And then this text from Matthew comes, prepare Be prepared to wait. We don't like waiting. We don't like uncertainty. And here's the deal. Waiting doesn't mean doing nothing. And having to wait for the Lord doesn't mean that God is doing nothing. We can wait trusting that God is always doing something. God is not helping another customer while we hold our number and wait for it. We get to participate in what God is already doing, the purposes of God that are already happening, already underway. We can be ready like wise bridesmaids with our one job of bringing the light. Or we can be fools, untrusting, unaware, unprepared to do our part. We may need to wait in order to really become aware of what God is doing. We may have to wait through the dark night or many dark nights because God is preparing the feast for us, preparing to come and greet us, welcome us and say, I'm here, let's go to the feast. And waiting doesn't mean inactivity. We have jobs to do while we're waiting. Having oil at the ready, being prepared, comes from doing what Jesus has asked us to be about as we're living in between those times, being formed by the power of God that works within us. So how do we keep oil in our lamps? I want to give you four takeaways that you can be thinking about. First is this. I mean, the practices and disciplines of our faith are the same, and they serve to keep us oiled up, if you will. Prayer, reading and searching the scriptures, get out that Bible and dust it off. Being in fellowship and worship with other followers, caring for people, caring for our planet, doing what we say our purpose at Trinity is, then we say our purpose is to love God and love people. Let's love God and love people. I think a second thing that we can be doing while we wait is to be intentional in keeping our connection to God alive, keeping it fresh, keeping it moving and aware, not I'll get to it later. The third thing is this, and I think this might be one of the most important ones, and that is to live out God's claim on our lives, our call in this world, and that is things like serving, loving, reconciling with other people, feeding folks who are hungry, drilling wells where there is no water, providing medical care for folks who don't have access like our team will do in January when they go to Mexico. It's it's packing 3,000 meal kits for Columbus public school children so they have something to eat during their break like we're about to do, that kind of stuff. You know, they used to say that worship was the Worship was the way into the life of a church. I don't think that's true anymore. I think serving is the way to find Jesus. And worship becomes a way to live that out. I think that's different. Fourth is this. Keep a supply of spiritual oil on hand. You know it can run out. And if it does, we got to refill it. And we got to refuel. You know how that works. If you don't spend time with your family or your children or your grandchildren, all of a sudden you've become strangers. Strangers. If you don't know some words of worship or scripture so that they're actually a part of your bones and someday you're going to be sitting down with nothing to draw on and everything else fails. Some have been critical, by the way, of the five bridesmaids who wouldn't share. <laughs> you know, I got that after worship last hour, too. I was reminded was uh, I really was struggling during the whole sermon about those five who wouldn't share. I mean, sharing is a Christian virtue, right? But um, Here's the thing, there's a reason why they couldn't share. Think about it this way. Your friend has a marvelous marriage, but there's no way you can borrow some of their marriage for yours. Another friend has a vibrant and sustaining life of prayer. And yes, she'll pray for you every time you call, but hers can't take your place. Your friend can kind of try to tell you about what the worship experience was like on Sunday, but you can't scrounge your own worship from that story. You can be influenced or inspired by someone else's peace of mind and their confident trust in God, but they can't give it to you. We've got to fill our own flasks. And yes, as much as we don't like it, time does run out. You can't say forever, someday I'm going to spend more time with my family. Someday I'm going to get back to church. Someday I'm going to try to pray more regularly. Someday I'm just going to stop and have to give words of praise to God for an experience. Someday. I'll make that phone call, I'll write that letter, I'll make that donation, I'll roll up my sleeve, someday I'll help. Or really we can say it all we want, but someday there will be a shout. Ah, look, here's the bridegroom. Come out a meeting. I hope you're ready. There is a thing to this, too little, too late. We don't like it, but there it is. And you know, I really have a sense that the pandemic, which we all like to believe is over, the symptoms are running so, so deep because the waiting was so long and so drawn out and so hard that many of us just got lazy about things. And I'm going to take a risk here as your pastor and say, I think that has to do with our, the, the, the health of our spiritual lives too. And maybe these texts remind us that we got to kick it back in. Now, that's all scary stuff, so let me close with some good news. Y'all can come on in when you're ready. Um, We're still here, hearing this parable. It's not too late. And remember, it's a party Jesus actually wants us to get to. Because he's preparing some feast for us, and we don't want to miss it. And here's more good news. Jesus is not only the one who throws the party... Jesus is not only the bridegroom who takes us there, but Jesus is also this. He is an oil dealer too, who stands ready at all moments to fill your flask with oil so that you are ready. We just got to put ourselves in a posture to allow that to happen. And so as we share in communion today, this is a flask-filling moment. As you receive the elements, as you receive communion today, let your flask be filled. And stay filled while we're waiting. We remember that when Jesus was with his friends on that last night, he, they were having a meal and he took bread and he gave thanks to God. He broke the bread, he gave it to his friends and disciples in the room, and this was a flask-filling moment. He said, take and eat this. This is my body which will be broken for you, so do this as often as you will, and when you do, remember me. And then later on in the night, he took one of the three chalices and he gave thanks to God, and he shared it with all of his friends and disciples in that room. And he said, this is the blood of the new covenant poured out for you and for many. It's for the forgiveness of your sins. It's a flask filling moment. Do this as often as you will and remember me. God, we thank you for the gift of your spirit that fills us. We confess that we are often in a posture where we're not, we're not able to be filled and to receive. And we confess that we are often not Um, engaging in the kinds of activities of life that keep us constantly there. And we confess that we often wait by putting off for something for later. And then we're reminded that you call us to always be prepared like the wise bridesmaids. Help us to do that. Pour out your Holy Spirit on us gathered here and on these gifts of bread and cup. Make them be for us the body and blood of Christ so that we might be for the world the body of Christ redeemed by his blood. Amen. Friends, in the United Methodist Church, this is an open table. So regardless of the tradition of faith that you bring here or no tradition of faith, you're welcome to participate in our communion today. Um, I hope you got some communion elements when you came in. I'm gonna invite you to take the bread and just hang on to it for a second. My friends, this is the body of Christ broken for you. And now, as you take and eat, let this be a flask-filling moment. My friends, the blood of Christ shed for you. And as you take and drink, may it be a flask-filling moment. So your flask is full. Consider it full right now. But you're going to leave this place with that full flask. And Jesus does not ask us to hold it for ourselves all the time. Because, you know, the bridesmaids, they, were, they probably had their, their lamps burning. Those wise ones were ready. So go out. Use it up. But as you use it up, fill it up. Fill it up. So that we can be for the world what God needs of us. So thanks for being in worship with us today. Trust that you will have a blessed week. Look forward to being back here next week as we continue our journey through those last three parables of Jesus' life. God bless you. Have a great week.